0: You're listening to In the Bunker, a podcast that explores the biggest challenges in starting and running a business. My name is Joshua Maddox, and I'm an entrepreneur and business owner myself. I'm sitting down with business owners to talk about the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and how we can all grow from it. Welcome back. Today we have Jeremy Berger with us on the show. Jeremy was faced with the challenge of getting the attention of C-suite execs and decision makers. There's so much to discuss in this, and I know as a business owner myself, this is such a huge challenge. I'm super excited to jump in and have this discussion with Jeremy today. Good to have you on the show, Thank you, Joshua. It's good to be here, so let's jump in a little bit. get to know you a little. what is what is your background? Who are you? How did you get here? What does that look like? Give us a little intro,
1: yeah. Spent most all of my career leading up to starting my own business in IT, in particular, a little section called asset management, which helps organizations be better stewards, cost optimization, really, around their hardware and their software spend. And about, let's see, would be in 2017, I realized that my approach for tackling these problems in medium and large businesses is unique enough that it should be passed out to other people. And I could reach and help and coach other folks uh, a whole lot better on my own than just being a full-time employee at some sort of large organization. It's now 22 and we're, uh, we're going strong.
0: I always love, and this is a whole nother topic entirely, but that transition of I was an employee, I realized that I had this knowledge that not only my employer needed, but tons of other companies need. And just that sort of switch, essentially, that just flipped of there's a whole market out there that needs this.
1: Yeah, I actually, I got really lucky because I had a opportunity to speak at a next. a convention for asset managers. and after giving a presentation, I had the opportunity in in fact, I mentioned it in my book. I had the opportunity to sit down afterwards. We were closing down it's the it was called edo. Or no, Ebo, and it's the wine bar next door to Michael Jordan's Steakhouse in Chicago on the Miracle Mile. But the long story short is that there were a couple of other people that were experts in the industry. And I looked at them point blank and said, I think I'm really on to something. And they looked at my notes and they talked to me a little bit more and they said, yeah, this is something that could really be useful. and and encouraged me to pursue it. Two years later from that conversation, started writing a book, put my own shingle out and haven't looked back.
0: That's awesome. I always love that transition. It's just, it's such Mm -hmm. a cool aspect for business owners to, you realize that there was a need and you could help fill. And
1: the opportunity was, the timing was also right. My wife was, God bless her, is a project manager and a pretty darn good one on her own right and very secure in her job. And she was like, you know what, this is a passion, but you don't have to pay for college yet. We don't have to worry about kids and we're pretty secure if there's ever a better time to try to strike out on your own now's the time to do it of course that the counter argument to that was i'm going to watch you like a hawk and make sure that you're staying on task (laughs) god bless those project managers that's awesome your
0: office is at home
1: it is it is and which is nice change of pace after commuting almost one of the full-time positions that i had i was commuting three hours by car, three times a week. Wow. Yeah. So that really...
0: That alone will make you want to quit your job. Yeah. And I know starting your own business and and having a home office are definitely challenges in their their own. And the main challenge that we're talking about today actually is getting the attention of C-suite and sort of those decision makers and how that obviously for your business, you're going in, you need to talk with CTOs, CIOs, you know, I need to talk with these types of guys who understand, hey, if we don't know that we have 200 laptops, one can go missing. Or you're paying for a software and it's 40 bucks a month, but it's $40 a month for a thousand employees. And you're not realizing that 10% of your workforce got laid off or five people quit and you've got licenses that are just running that aren't being used. Or
1: even worse, the, uh, the dreaded audit letter shows up and you're not exactly sure whether or not you've paid for all the software that you've got installed in your environment. And with COVID now, you can't go physically and check to see what your employees have installed on their computers. So yeah, there's a lot of challenges. That's exactly it. The C-suite is really my target audience. They're the folks that have the most risk they've got the most to lose and not just not just uh, monetary either there's also reputation you do not want to be the next colonial pipeline colonial pipeline is a good one because it was a cybersecurity kit, but the entrance came on a abandoned VPN account. And so I was talking with a couple of cybersecurity folks, and it's, no, that's not cybersecurity. That's asset management. That's something that somebody should have said, hey, this account hasn't been logged in, hasn't shown any activity in two weeks, three weeks. Pick a number. We need to recover that license, turn that off, and start asking questions on why is that thing sitting there? But that's the the tricky part, though, is exactly it. You've got the C-suite tends to fall into two camps. One is ignore it. Don't even mention it. Don't even talk about it. Lest the audit happens or the break-in happens. And then the other camp is we can't broadcast that we've got a problem, but we're going to try to fix it on our own inside Hush so that big, scary vendors don't find out about it and then hit us with an audit or hackers hit us with a uh, security breach. So how do you get these folks that are very reticent to admit they have a problem to admit they have a problem? Quite honestly, I'm still working on that answer. Well, there's a couple of ways to get around. The first piece of advice that I'd have to tell folks that I've learned is that you are an expert in what you are doing. You need to find an expert in the stuff that you aren't good at doing. And it's very difficult for solo entrepreneurs and self-employed and those kind of folks to look at the cost of bringing in a partner or bringing in help or hiring an outside firm and justify that expense. You, You as a business owner have this direct line between, I make this money, this feeds my kids. If I spend this money, I'm not feeding my kids. And you've got to get out of that. It's fear-driven, but you can't be an expert in all things. And for coaches and consultants, yeah, that's that's how we live our lives. That's how we make our money. That's ourselves. That's our reason for being is that, hey, Mr. C-Suite, Mrs. C-Suite, your team is having trouble because they don't have my particular skill set, bring me in. Eat your own dog food. You don't have all the skills, bring other people in. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a bit of a rant that you, you got me charged up there a bit but No, uh, that's really good. It's good. Getting that in, I would also say in the same time, getting good advice finding your own coach finding your own partnership not just for networking to find the next big deal but people that you admire that are willing to strike up a friendship and willing to give it to you straight there are blind spots again you're not the expert in everything you're going to miss things that other people are going to be able to see and help you compensate for. In fact, maybe we need to make a little plug. You and I found each other through the uh, the alternative board. And my coach, Quinn Wang, has been phenomenal in helping me navigate, in particular, this craziness that COVID has done.
0: I agree with groups like TAB, the Alternative Board. I've talked about this before and I love TAB because it brings together like-minded business owners in the sense of we all want to grow and do better, but not in the sense of same industry. Because if you've got a dozen people who are all in the same industry, for me, I own a digital agency. I'm in a mastermind with other digital agency owners, but we sit around and talk about the problems that we're facing that only we have dealt with the same thing. And as soon as I go to my TAB group and i say man i've been facing this issue someone goes why the heck haven't you tried this (laughs) it's okay we had a dozen agency owners in a room who all couldn't figure out a solution and as soon as you step outside of the realm of expertise really and you get into Uh someone else who just asks a question you know, and I think it's amazing in our tab group specifically to watch the format and tab is someone brings a problem to the table and people are allowed to ask questions. They're not allowed to provide answers, solutions, suggestions, anything for the first like 10 minutes or so. They have to ask questions. And so Mm -hmm. oftentimes the business owner actually gets to a solution by other people asking questions before any sort of solution aspect has even come to. The business owner is already self-solved by people asking them to further explain a problem. And there's actually in the development space, like developers, software developers do this a lot. It's called rubber ducky debug. And you basically have an inanimate object that's on your desk, a a duck or whatever. Mm -hmm. And You explain the problem to that inanimate object out loud. And because your brain is stopping and stopping trying to solve the problem, and Mm -hmm. it's now thinking of how to explain the problem, it's a whole different thought process. And when you do that, half the time, you figure out your own solution.
1: That's very similar to the Socratic method that's still leveraged in medical and legal circles. Six Sigma uh, on the engineering side is very much Socratic method. Bang on questions and not mean questions, but questions about what's going on. And one of those questions is going to kick off a thread that can completely
0: come around to the the solution that you're seeking or identify a problem that you didn't realize you had. What I know for me, there's been some of them that are, hey, this is the problem I'm dealing with. People are like, The last three or four questions, uh, cool, that's not the problem I'm dealing with. That's the outcome that's shown its head because of this underlying issue. And sometimes there's people in the group who help walk through that or help talk through it. Or I was having an element of, well, should I hire this person or should I maybe do some of those tasks internally and then outsource like accounting or something else? And hey, three or four people brought together, hey, these are who we like, people who we work with. And instantly the process of now it's I need to send two emails and the problem solved. I can't stress enough
1: on how important it is to have the the breadth and the uniqueness of the of the different people that are involved. One of the best pieces of advice that I got actually came from uh, a local brewer. He started his uh, own brewery rather successful. It's over here in. uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, called Brink Brewing. If you haven't heard of it, try the moozy. Yeah, but I was talking with him because we both participate on the Neighborhood Redevelopment Committee. And that was helping him build out his uh, microbrewery and get on its feet. And he said one of the best pieces of advice that he had been given that he then passed on to me is, even though microbreweries now are like on, it, it feels like they're in every neighborhood on every street corner. There is always room for good product. And the question is, what's your product and is it good? And it's like, you know why? That translates to what I do quite well. Now, know, what is my product? What am I offering? And is it really of good value? Is it, does it taste good? Does it scratch the itch that you need? And I've taken that advice and run with it and really appreciated it. So you just never know where the next good idea is gonna come from, which is why you want to listen to podcasts like this and talk to different coaches and and try to gather that wealth of knowledge. And that all stems from that idea that you are not the expert in all things. Stick to what you know and ask for help and advice where you need it, where you're lacking.
0: I will say the one thing that I know with TAB personally that's been awesome as well is the aspect of, I've got a team, I've got a handful of employees, and if I go to my team and I say, hey guys, this is what we want to do. They'll be like, okay, that's what we're doing. And it's like, what are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, my team is pretty open in the sense of they'll be like, yeah, that's a terrible idea. But for some companies, as the boss, you may not have that relationship with your employees. It may very much be a, the boss said we're doing it, so I don't care. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so there are ideas that I'll bring to my tab group that They'll be like, that is a horrible idea. How is that in line with your mission, vision, values? How is that in line with your goals for this quarter or this year? Like that is totally counterproductive. If that's really what you want to do, that's great. But you got to check your goals because that is not in line with any of it.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I've, I can, I could tell you of two instances where my tab board has walked me off the edge because I thought this is direction it's going where I need to better to be on the forefront than the back end. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a opportunity cost here that you need to be really careful about. That might be a story for another time, but they were right. And I was glad that I didn't pursue that. Otherwise I could be, what I am doing would have been fundamentally different and not necessarily what I enjoy. That's big.
0: Yeah, it's been awesome digesting this. And as we're getting towards the end and wrapping up, but those decision makers and those people that you're reaching out to, really the biggest aspect is having people around you, having that type of stuff. What is some advice for people facing that same challenge of attempting to contact C-suite or decision maker type people? Well, let's take it back
1: to the idea of good product. The, the first thing is to get that product honed in. What is the exact problem that you can solve and explain it in five, maybe 10 words or less. That's because the C-suite group that you are talking to has a time problem. Almost always, they are way too busy. Putting out fires, dealing with the crisis, the tyranny of the immediate, when their real function is supposed to be that long term vision, movement to one year, five year, 10 year plans for the organization. You can't be that person that's bringing up the next issue. You've got to be the person that is solving that. Point. The way that I am trying to solve this, and by all means, I don't want to say that I have cracked this nut, is to establish myself as a thought leader. I very honestly talk to C-suite folks when I make my introduction and tell them what I do and yeah, and I wrote the book on this subject. And that gives folks a a chance to pivot. Either they're very interested because they're a reader and they want to know more, or they can be lying to the bar. But to have a book, to have a website or a blog, or even the posts on LinkedIn, that can provide some sort of help for that crisis, to help not just the C-suite to find more information about the crisis du jour or to give them a better idea of how they're going to get their arms wrapped around whatever problem that they're trying to solve. That really helps. So really the credibility piece. The second piece is the five most important words in business right now is I know a gal or I know a guy. It's all about the personal connections. I tell you, one of my big regrets is spending a whole bunch of money to talk to a person that taught me how to spam LinkedIn connections. And no, that's just not going to do it. It's all about personal connections and finding the opportunity to make that, that emotional connection. These folks are lonely. I have found on the C-suite, they don't have a lot of people that they can talk to about their problems. They've got golf buddies, they've got volleyball groups or whatever other places they can go to be with their peers and talk, but very rarely are they ever able to sit down and have a conversation about a business problem that somebody isn't trying to sell them something. And the nice thing about having that sort of credibility is you can start from the very get-go. I'm happy to tell you what I know, and if it helps you, great. And if it doesn't help you, then... Tell me why it doesn't help. So it helps me know what I can do for the next person that does, that does seem. But after you have those conversations, they talk, the C-suite starts to talk to their peers and their friends. And I can tell you of two, two people that I have been in contact with because they referred and for, I wasn't able to help them in their particular business, but they learned enough about me and what I do that they referred me to uh, a couple of friends and colleagues who were suffering from the exact
0: same problem that I'm able to solve. And we've had some pretty good, we've been able to have some pretty good success. That's awesome. There's a ton to unpack there. I think like one of the elements that you just mentioned right towards the end was, if this doesn't help you, tell me why, so I can make sure I can help the next guy. And I think that element with going back to the very beginning of what you started wrapping up with, which is really getting your product honed in, if you're doing a product pitch, if you're doing a proposal pitch and someone says, this doesn't resonate with me because X, and you're doing two, three, four proposals and you get the same response multiple times, there's an underlying foundational issue. Either A, you're pitching to the wrong people. Or B, you're pitching the wrong thing. And those are the aspects. I think it's that sort of repetition of learn something, make it better. Learn something, make it better. When we build a website, our last call as we're launching the site with the client is, what about this project did you like? And what did you not like? Like, where did we mess up? Mm -hmm. And those are elements that we have had clients go, hey, I really didn't like that you did. This. I felt like that just wasted a bunch of time or that did this. And sometimes maybe it's we explain the process a little bit and they're like, oh, that makes sense. That's why you did it. Okay, cool. We need to explain better why we do X or Y or Z. With one client, they were like, man, this one form that I filled out was just so long. Uh-huh. Cool. How can we shorten that up? How can we make that easier? Make that more of a casual conversation and just really make it a better experience overall, whether it's a buying cycle sales cycle and just moving into being a customer?
1: Well, there's the evil twin of the imposter syndrome that a lot of people like to talk about. It is the innovator's dilemma. You know your product so well, you know your space so well, you assume everybody else has the same amount of knowledge as you do. And so you come at your potential clients, you come at your target audience and say, Hey, all of this stuff, isn't it great? Here's all these acronyms. Here's all this stuff that we can do. And everybody just looks at you and it's, we don't want to admit that we don't know what we're talking about, but obviously we're not smart enough to be able to keep up. And we're just going to politely nod our heads and say, thank you very much, but no, no. And that's something that really, the really smart people, the entrepreneur mindset can get so trapped in knowing their stuff so well. They forget that sometimes you got to dumb it down. Sometimes you got to slow it down and just talk about the stages. What stage are you in? And we're still poking at this. That's great. Poke away. Let me know if something bites you and then we can talk some more. And slow things down, we are so, sometimes we get so focused on the next sale, the next opportunity, the next whiz-bang thing, we forget that there's a whole journey that has got to happen. And these people have got to come along to it. We can't, we know the ending, we've seen it before, but we can't spoil it for them.
0: That's really good. There's four stages of the sales cycle the sale is physically stage number three. And so many times business owners try to influence that stage rather than any of the other three stages. Most businesses spend so much time trying to influence that one stage. And the sad part is the more you influence that single stage is the more you influence buyer's remorse. It's just, it's so crazy and drives me nuts. How easy is it to fall in that trap when you see the direct
1: connection between this sale and feeding your kids.
0: Yep, very true. I think we as business owners, as entrepreneurs, have all sort of fallen into that trap and all had that aspect at one time or another. You know, we've all sort of you know, gotten trapped in that. Well, it's been super good chatting. I know we'll have links to your LinkedIn and your website, all that in the show notes below. But where is that number one spot for people to reach out and connect with you? Is that your website, LinkedIn? What's the best one? My
1: website, uh, www.BurgerConsulting.com, crazy German spelling, that's B-O-E-R-G-E-R, consulting.com.
0: It's been super good having you on the show today. Appreciate the time, appreciate the knowledge, and uh, just chatting through this with us. It's
1: been really good. Oh, uh, my pleasure, Joshua. Thank you for uh, bringing me on and good luck with you and my best to you and yours.
0: Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks. Good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Bunker. As always, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at In the Bunker Podcast. Be sure to share this episode and what you're going to apply from it and how that can affect your business. Make sure to tag us in that post so we can highlight your journey as well. But before you go, I have a quick personal ask. Each episode of In The Bunker takes a lot of work to put together from finding the guest, shooting, editing, all of that. And where I really could use your help is twofold. First, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform that can let you leave a five star, review or a text-based review, I would truly and greatly appreciate that. It really helps with the algorithm and allowing other listeners to find the show. The next thing that I really need help on is sharing this with friends, family, business owners, people that you think need to hear this content. I appreciate you listening to this episode and looking forward to next week. Take care.